If you're with me tonight, Revelation 5, I want you to read out loud at home. The Bible says, blessed is he that readeth the prophecy. That's what we're going to do tonight. And we'll be in the entire chapter, but we're going to read verses 8 to 12 just to speed things along this evening. We're doing really good on time. Verses 8 to 12, Revelation 5. Read aloud at home, please. And when he had taken the book, <clears throat> the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You know, you ought to just park on that right now. Amen. What a great thought. And they sung a new song. And by the way, I realize there's some neo group out there of the new song. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a heavenly song just to clarify things. Amen? Okay? And they sung a new song. Some of you who listen to that know what I'm talking about. And they, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. And it's made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voices, the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And get this, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. You ever hear the kids say, zillions and zillions and zillions? I'm not sure they're zillions, but there, there are billions in this number here. And verse 12 says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And to that I say, hallelujah. Yeah. Worthy is the lamb. And tonight, we want to exalt Jesus Christ as the Lamb who is worthy. Father, bless the service tonight. Speak to us in an individual way. I pray your word would be comfort to our soul, honey to our palate, a fire in our heart, a sword in our heart, a hammer to our heart, and a mirror to our face. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 4 so beautifully transitions us to Revelation 5 because it's all one continuous vision that John has. And in Revelation 4, we saw last week, we got a glimpse into heaven. We saw the description that John gave of our God, like Jasper and like Sardius. And he saw a rainbow around the throne. And he saw the redeemed of all the ages around the throne. And he saw these unique four beasts, which represents all of creation, worshiping God. And he saw together the, the 24 elders, redeemed of all ages. That's us, the church that's in heaven, the Old Testament saints and prophets, and all of creation, singing out aloud to God. And you'll notice in chapter 4, verse 11, it's so great. Chapter 4, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are recreated. Now I want you to understand, just imagine me for just a moment. It is such an ethereal moment. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's just, it, it just an incredibly exciting moment there in heaven. And by the way, that's all heaven is, is an exciting moment, amen? A second with the Lord 
It's like a thousand years. You know, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. But, I mean, just, it's just an ethereal moment. And all the hosts of heaven are saying, Thou art worthy. And you can imagine John, he joins in with the chorus there. How could you not? And we get to chapter 5. You've got to remember now, John is in the spirit on the, at that moment. And he's looking around heaven. And I want you to imagine for me, just a moment, if you, if you were John, it's a panoramic view in heaven. I mean, it's, just, it's like being a kid in a candy store, if you know what I mean. I mean, you see all those things, and you're just like, man, you're just, where do I start? And, and he's looking at all these things, and constantly, you see, you see John saying, I saw, and I beheld, and I saw, and I beheld. And you have to imagine, this, this old man at 90 years of age, beholding all that, it's like, man, I want to just, I just want to stay here. I don't want to go back to earth, you know? I, I don't want to go back to Patmos. I want to stay up here. And, he, and the word that God put on him to put down here that's used recurrently is the word worthy. Worthy. Now, worthy means all deserving. Worthy means all desirable. Worthy means most excellent. Worthy means most noble. Worthy means to be the most precious, the most valuable. You know, tonight, you might want to put in your Bible, MVP. Jesus is my MVP. He's my most valuable potentate. Amen? He's my most valuable person because that's who Jesus Christ is. He says, thou art worthy. And so chapter 5 takes us much further than we were in chapter 4. Chapter 5 now is the sedgeway that takes us right before we get into the great tribulation. Because in chapter 5, we're seeing here some things unfold that, that give us the sedgeway that help us to understand what will occur in chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Revelation. And we need to give heed to this moment because it's a very worshipful moment. It's a very exciting moment of time. And if you ever are wondering and thinking about what should a worship service be, and if you're ever thinking and wondering about what should my worship time be with God, you've got to study chapter 4 and 5 of Revelation to understand individually and corporately what we're to be doing and how we're to do this here. And so tonight, our, our, the centrality what we're looking at is this lamb, this lamb that we read about, this lamb that John saw, this lamb that he saw. you got to remember, he knew it was Jesus, but he didn't call him Jesus because he saw him as what he, what he came to earth to do. He saw him as the lamb of God. He saw him as John the Baptist introduced those, in those early days, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, John's own disciples, like Andrew and Philip, as he introduced them to Jesus because he saw his ministry that he needed to decreased and Christ had to increase. And most wonderful thing about the ministry of John the Baptist, the Bible says that as he spoke about Christ, they followed Jesus. I mean, that's our goal. It says we preach the word of God is that people follow Jesus. I don't want people following me. I want people following Jesus. I want people following the Lord. And so we find here, John heard those words and he heard about those words when John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God which taketh the sins of the world. But now he gets up here into heaven and he sees this wonderful, wonderful vision. He sees this lamb. You gotta remember, a lamb is just a little baby. It's just a little baby He's very small. It's very cuddly. It's very cute. It's a, it's a very wonderful sight to see when you see a lamb. It's cute and it's cuddly. And you, it's just like a little pet that you want to have. And he sees this lamb that stands up and the words that are going on, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. And so tonight, we're, we're going to focus our attention tonight on the lamb who's worthy. The lamb that deserves our attention. The lamb that should be lifted up. The lamb who's most excellent. The lamb who's to be adored. We're going to look at tonight, who is this lamb of God? 
Number one, I want you to notice in verses one to five, notice we see the authority of the lamb. The authority of the lamb. In verses one to five, we see God working through John and understanding some things about the authority of this lamb. He's still in the spirit. Notice in verse one, we see a message that is sealed. In verse one, the Bible says, after this, I look. Now remember, that's after what he heard in chapter four. Excuse me, uh, excuse me, I'm chapter four, I'm chapter five. Remember he saw in chapter four, thou art worthy. Chapter five, verse one, he's watching all this unfold and, and he's still looking. He says, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Now that's God. And John wrote here, or the English translators for the King James Version, he said, I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. Now, when I think of a book, you think of a book, I, I think of a Bible, right? That's what our thought is about a book, amen? We think of something with a binding and pages. I think of a, a book right here, I think a binding and pages like this. But this book, as they called it, were scrolls. Everything were written on scrolls. And this, these scrolls, if you would, front and back, was the details that we read about later on in chapters 6, 7, and 8. And starting with the last page, it would be rolled up and sealed. And then a next page, the second to the last page, rolled up and sealed and so forth there. So John, when he saw this, he saw these here and he, he said, that is an unusual book. It's written on the inside and on the back side and has seven unique seals on it. Now you know this from just things we've preached and taught from and you've heard this in our clubs in Sunday school. A seal was a government insignia. It represented that only a certain authorized people, an approved person, a worthy person, could open that, that book or that seal. And John saw this here. He saw here this book, and it was written, and God was holding this book. It was written on the inside and the backside, and sealed with seven seals. Now, he didn't know it at this moment. But the message contained there was the message unfolding about the great tribulation. Now, John knew a little bit about the great tribulation because Jesus taught about that. Remember that? You go to Matthew chapter 24 and I think Mark chapter 13 and I think, I think it's Luke chapter 21 or 22. Jesus taught them about the great tribulation. But at that moment in time, John does not know even further details and prophetic symbols that God would be using to describe the weather conditions and the financial conditions and the political conditions and the health conditions. Listen, a pandemic is nothing new to the Bible. It's right there. And all of these kind of things and the lack of cures. And by the way, a global warming is nothing new to the Bible. It's right here. It's right here in Revelation. Everything unfolding our world, there's nothing new under the sun. God already wrote about that long before they, did, they, they even started talking about these things or came up with terms. And so, John sees this book. Now, if you're a book person, and sometimes you go to a bookstore, 
I still, you know, whether it's electronic or whatever, sometimes you might stop and you say, hmm, I wonder what that book is all about. You ever done that? You ever done that? What that wonder what that book's all about. And you pick it up. I remember in the old days, the borders and places like that, I'd go in there and I'd love to go to number one because they had a little coffee area and you could literally take a book and sit down and you could actually read the whole book and put it back there. You know, I didn't do that, but I mean, people did those kind of, I didn't do that just so you know that, okay? Don't go out and say pastor did that kind of thing. I read, I read the front and last page. I wanted to get an idea what I was about to see if I was going to buy the book. But, uh, but I enjoyed it because they had a little coffee or you could do something like that and put it back. And they knew what people were doing there. But anyway, but, but you know, you, you just get, it, you know, you'd go there. And I would sometimes be like a kid in a candy store. I'd look at these books and say, man, that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. That's not, then I'd look at something that was very disgusting. I'd say, what is this doing here, you know? And then you wonder, who's buying those kind of books? Well, John, John was kind of like that. John was like, he saw this book. He saw God holding this book. And he knew there was something important about that book. He wanted to know what was in that book. He saw a message that was sealed. Hey, you know, that's the kind of hunger and thirst we ought to have about the Bible. You ought to say every morning, I want to know. I wonder what's in this book, amen? I wonder what's in that book. I wonder this morning when I turn the next page, I wonder what, what's inside the book of God. We see a message that is sealed. But notice in verse 2, we see a man that is sobbing. And the verse says, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy? Now, get, get this now, okay? Chapter 4, verse 11. The redeemed of all the ages and the four beasts are saying, Thou art worthy. And whoever the strong angel was, which could have been Gabriel, which could have been Gabriel, it doesn't really matter, but it could have been Gabriel. Proclaimed there in heaven, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Now, when that angel said that, remember now, John is, this is, this is transpiring in heaven. And John is in the moment of moments. It's like getting married for the groom and the bride. They're in the moment of moments. I mean, it's happening quickly, and they don't want it to go fast. They don't want to move fast through the vows. They don't want to move fast through the exchange of the rings. I mean, they're just saving that moment because there's next to your salvation, probably getting married, just that moment of being at the altars. There's just something very wonderful about that. And so, you know, they, so John is listening to this angel because he had that in his mind. And when the angel gets up, he makes an announcement. He's basically giving the invitation. Who is worthy to open this book and to open the seals? And he understood enough about government insignias and seals to realize, well, only a qualified person. And notice in verse 3, here's what John said. And no man in heaven, not in earth, not neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And listen, John looks at verse 3, and he says in verse 3, there was no man. He said, there's no Old Testament prophet. He said, there's no Old Testament king. He said, there's no, he said, he said, man, Paul couldn't open it. Peter couldn't open it. He thought, man, is there, who could, is there, there's no man. He looked back down from heaven's portals. He looked down on planet earth. Is there anybody on earth that can come? He said, no, I guess not because we're all up here. There's no man on earth. There's no man in heaven. There's no man under the earth. There's no man there that was able to open the book. He looked around and he thought about, he saw all the personalities of heaven, and that's going to be great. Let me tell you, in heaven, you're, you're not going to forget anybody's name. You're going to know everybody when you see him. Amen? And verse 4 tells us something very troubling. We see a man that's sobbing. Now, wept much. Because no man 
was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. He wept much. He wept much. He's like someone who had the passing of a loved one that weeps days on end. The tears could not stop. The sobbing could not be curtailed. Because no man was found worthy to open the book. God was holding the book with the seven seals thereof. And he said, I looked. No man was worthy. And he said, I wept much. Would you weep? Would you weep if you didn't have to preach him God's word for more than one week? Would you weep if you didn't hear God's word preach you for one month? What do you weep over? What do you cry about? The Bible says about John, he wept much. Do you weep much over souls? Do you weep much about the reopening of our church? Have you wept about the reopening of our church? You've just gotten used to it. We're just going to go along with the masses. Do you weep much over your sins? Do you weep much over your family? Do you weep much over what you read in the Bible, where God moves in your heart? I'm just saying tonight, the Bible says about John that he wept much. He was a man that was sobbing. Do you weep and you're praying? Do you weep over the things of God? Do you weep because you're not worthy? Listen, tonight we see a message that was sealed and a man that was sobbing. But notice here, if you would, we read later on in verse 5, we see a monarch that is sufficient because as this is going on, he gets these going on, and, and, and you know, there was this moment where John is just weeping much. Getting now, I'm pointing to the authority of the Lamb. And you notice here in verse 5, one of the elders speaks to him. One of, one, of, one of the redeemed of the ages, and we're not sure who that is, but one of them got him because they already knew. They'd been in heaven long enough. They already knew. Amen. They were in heaven long enough. They already knew. They knew there was somebody worthy there. They knew somebody could open that book. And he, this elder said to John, weep not. You can stop your weeping, son. He said, listen, it's okay. You can stop the weeping. I've got some good news. He said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals thereof. Listen, he doesn't start off by speaking about the lamb. He starts out by speaking about the lion. And notice tonight, he speaks about our Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks about Jesus Christ as being the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now you and I know enough about lions to know that lions are considered the king of the beast. And he used the figure of a lion to help us understand some things. And now John is drawing from Old Testament to the New Testament scriptures and understanding the revelation of Jesus Christ here. Listen, you've got to read your Bible so that you read through Revelation. You can understand from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because as you're going to, we get done tonight, you're going to say he is worthy. And you'll notice here tonight that the descent of, of this lion, the descent of this king, the descent of this monarch is described. In Genesis 49.10, the very first mention about the lion of the tribe of Judah is there. And the Bible says in Genesis 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So we see the descent. We see a king is mentioned here. Notice he calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. He not only talks about his descent, he also talks about the fact that he has a 
his lineage connected to the root of David. He says he's called the root of David. Now, you understand your Bible to know enough that Jesus Christ was the son of David. Jesus Christ is the successor to David. And by the way, Jesus Christ is the savior of David. Don't forget that. He is the son, he's the successor, and he's the savior of David. And so, as he's describing this, man, the, 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 the crying on John's face is stopping. And the jittering of his face, the twitching of his nerves because he's been crying much has stopped. And he's starting to, there's a heavenly look on his face there in heaven because he's listening to this elder describe to him the wonderfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ here. And he says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He says, listen, the one who's, who is authority, the one who has power, the one who is king, the one who's the monarch, the one who's a potentate, he is the one that is worthy to open the book. He has prevailed. And the word prevailed is the same word that we, used, that we saw previously in all the other chapters, the word nikio, which is where we get our word victory from and our word overcome. He's saying, Jesus is the one who's prevailed to open the book. I want you to understand tonight, we're not talking about the lion that walketh about seeking who may devour. That's a different kind of a lion. That's a predator lion. That's an evil lion. That's a wicked lion. That's the lion that came into your study looking to devour you. That's the lion that's looking for those who are weak and those who are disabled and those who are young and those who stray off the path. That's the lion who's called the devil, the evil one, the adversary. That's not what this is talking about. We're not talking about the lion that walketh about seeking who may devour. We're talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's only one kind of lion that can beat one lion, and that's a bigger lion. And thank God Jesus is that bigger lion. Thank God tonight Jesus is that King of Kings and that Lord of Lords. He's the true lion king, if I can say that tonight. Amen. Amen. Genesis 49.9, he, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, as an old lion who shall rouse him up. He's our overcomer, Victor. And John is here, and he's weeping all through this, and the weeping stops because this angel, the elder, gets up, and the elder tells him, hey, I'm going to tell you what. Stop weeping. Stop crying. Weep not. He says, behold, right over here, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seven seals thereof. And he looked, he saw that lion, and he recognized that face. You know what I told John? You know what I told John? There's hope in Jesus. There's nothing too hard for God. Listen, there's no problem that God cannot solve. There's no problem in heaven or on earth that Jesus Jesus cannot prevail. It says he's prevailed over that. And I remind you tonight, regardless of your condition, regardless of your situation, thank God tonight we have a lion that has prevailed in every circumstance of life there. We see his authority. There was no man, but there was the lion. Amen. There was no man, but there was the son of man. We see the lion is authority, but notice in verses 6 to 12 very quickly. We see the lion and his atonement. And John beheld again. And verse 6 says, And lo, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne. That's so wonderful, amen. In the midst of the throne. And of the four beasts. And in the midst of the elders. Stood a lamb. Glory to God stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, 
The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of God. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Set forth unto all the earth. What about this lamb? Well, notice verse 6, he's the lamb that's seen. John said, I beheld, and lo, in the midst, he said, stood a lamb. He saw the lamb. Can I tell you tonight, Jesus is not hard to find. Jesus is not hard to find. If you're not saved tonight, he's there for you. You can see him. You can see him right here through the scriptures. He saw this lamb. The beast, the four beasts saw him. The 24 elders saw him. By the way, I like what it says here in verse 6. He stood there right in the midst of them. I'm thankful for a potentate that's right in the midst of us. He's not far from us. He's in there with us there. He brings us around him. He can be seen. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus can be seen in your devotions, and Jesus can be seen in your life, and you can see Jesus as you're making decisions for him in the will of God and walking the light. The Bible says he is seen. I beheld and saw a lamb. Listen, tonight, and maybe you need to get in your Bible, and you need to see Jesus as the Lamb of God. And maybe tonight you need to get in your Bible and see Jesus as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And maybe tonight you need to get in your Bible and see Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And maybe tonight you need to see Jesus as all eternal and the Son of God who was crucified for your sins. Whatever it may be tonight, I want you to be encouraged this evening that when we look at this Lamb, He's a Lamb that can be seen. He's a Lamb that's not hidden. He's not a Lamb that's obscure. He's not a Lamb that goes into hiding. He's not a Lamb that's afraid. He's not a Lamb that lacks courage. He's not a lamb that's a little God. Thank God tonight. He's the lamb who is the God, the God of gods and the king of kings tonight. He's the lamb that can be seen, but notice he's the lamb who's sovereign. He said here in verse 6, it's seven horns and seven eyes. Now when you, because we're in a science fiction world, our mentality is, that's a monster. But that's not the word of God. Satan, remember, Satan takes what's beautiful and makes it ugly. And Satan takes what's biblical and makes it base. And Satan takes that which is wonderful and makes it wicked. That's not science fiction. And even though science fiction may make it, portray it as being ugly and unsightly and all of those things, I want to tell you tonight, that's a beautiful sight here according to the word of God. Seven horns, horns speak about power. He's all-powerful. And so John, who was previously weeping, he's, he's getting this glimpse now. He's seeing this lion who's the king of the beasts. He's seeing this, this beast. He's seeing this lamb that had seven horns who's all-powerful. He's seeing this lamb that had seven eyes, which speaks about being all-intelligent and all-wise and all-knowing. And he's knowing, he knows enough of his Bible to know, man, that's talking about my Jesus. That's talking about my Jesus who's king. That's talking about my Jesus who's sovereign. And you can see right now where God has just given, given the apostle John a, a revelation that was beyond revelation. He gave him a devotion beyond devotion. How many have ever had a devotion? were something that you didn't really understand. One morning, it just kind of happened, amen? It just kind of happened, Brother Erwin. You just said, wow, I never saw that there before. And you looked at Brother Justin, he said, wow, that never happened to me before like that. And you looked at a Pastor Age, he said, wow, I never saw that before. And man, you took off your shoes and kept your socks on, because we're not talking about barefoot prophets right now, okay? But you kept your socks on, and you started running around and had getting excited, because you looked at that, and you said, man, that's wonderful. I never saw that before. And John is saying, man, I never saw that before. He's linking Old Testament to New Testament, this revelation that the Spirit of God is giving to him, and he sees that Jesus Christ is all sovereign. Let me tell you, there in heaven, as John is getting this glimpse, you can imagine what's processing through his mind, his sanctified thoughts at that moment in time. He's seen this lion, and he's seen this lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, and he sees the Spirit of God. He's full of the Spirit of God, and what you see here in verse 6, uh, basically, 
is fulfilled, in, and I think it's over in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, where it speaks about upon our Lord Jesus Christ, that upon him would be the Spirit of God. And again, it would be related later on in Isaiah chapter 61, that upon him would be the Spirit of God. And the seven spirits of God, if you would, going forth into all the earth. And we saw last week, well, the seven spirits of God, the Spirit of God working right now in our midst is drawing men to himself. But the Spirit of God during the time of the tribulation is going to be bringing judgment upon the world. Because remember, there will be a strong delusion, and he that led it will be led up. He'll be take, he'll be taken out of the world. When we leave, the Holy Spirit leaves. And a lot of his convicting work that he's doing will be very minimal compared to right now. And at that time, the Spirit of God will be searching as a fiery burning lamp going through all the earth. And we'll see this as we get through Revelation here, that he's working through that great tribulation period and bringing judgment upon the minds and the lives of people there. You say, why does the Spirit of God tell us about the seven, the seven spirits of God upon Jesus? Because God is committed all judgment to our Savior. He judges the world in righteousness. Read John chapter 5. He makes it very clear. Read, read Acts, chapter eight, uh, Acts chapter 17 and Paul's message that he preached on, on, on the Agora there, on Mars Hill. And he speaks about Jesus judging the world in righteousness. Well, we look at this lamb, his atonement, we get, to be, we get the best part here. We see the lamb is seen and the lamb is sovereign. But notice in verse 6, the lamb is a sacrifice. And I look at this and he says, he stood up as it had been slain. Now, I want, you to, I want you to understand. He looked at this lamb. There were some scars. There were some piercings. There were some wounds. It was evident this lamb had been sacrificed. And I want to remind you tonight, brother and sister in Christ, our Savior is a lamb that was slain. He was a lamb that was innocent and sinless and became the propitiation for our sins. He's a lamb that was worthy because he's the only one that could die for our sins. Do you understand tonight? He is the perfect sacrifice for every sinner. Do you understand tonight? He's the perfect substitute for every sinner. I cannot die for you. Nobody in this world can die for you. Only Jesus could die for your sins. He was pierced. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was whipped. He was chastised. He was crucified. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He was slain. That means he was killed, and he was murdered. Listen to what the Bible says. Daniel said, he is, in Daniel chapter 9, he is Messiah who is cut off. Peter said in Acts 2.23, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Acts 3.15, Peter said, the prince of life who was killed. He was slain. I want to tell you tonight, you and I slew him. You and I put him to death. Our sins nailed Jesus to the tree. Jesus, to fulfill the will of God, had to die for the sins of the world. That's why when we read verses like Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it speaks to us so wonderfully when it says, but God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Those words are so piercing and they're so convicting and they draw us like a magnet to God himself. I remind you tonight, he died for your sins. In Revelation 5, 9, it says, thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood. Can I tell you tonight, if you didn't get it before, Jesus died for your sins. He was the perfect lamb of God. He's the lamb of God who went voluntarily to the cross for you. He, all, all we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He went like a sheep to the slaughter. He was the innocent lamb. He was the less than one 
one-year-old lamb that went to, the, went to the cross for you and I. He died for your sins and mine. Do you get it in your heart tonight? John saw this lamb that had been slain. John saw this lamb who was his sovereign. John saw this lamb that was seen. But I want you to see something else. Notice in verse 6. This is even better. He sees the lamb that was slain. But you notice he was slain, but he was standing, praise God. He's not dead. He's alive. He was standing because he's God and God alone. You imagine, John, when he saw that lamb stood up, he says, now I've seen a lot of sacrifices at that temple. That's the only lamb that's ever stood. Amen. By the way, he's the only lamb that's ever risen from the dead. He's standing. He's standing. He stood to welcome Stephen home as the Jews got ready to stone him, and they did stone him. He stood to receive him and said, welcome home, son. And here in heaven, in Revelation chapter 5, he stands to declare, I'm the one that's worthy that can open this book. And I've did everything that the will of the Father wanted me to do. From eternity past to eternity future, I'm still God. I'm still all-powerful. I'm still all-intelligent. I'm still all-wise. I'm still all-knowing. I can be everywhere at one time. I am the Father of one. I am the Spirit of one. He said, I am a triune God. I, I represent the Godhead. We are three in one. And listen, one in three. And listen tonight, we look at this tonight, and we see this lamb who's standing, and he stood up victoriously, and he stood up, if you would, he stood up victoriously, and he stood up as a lamb that had been slain but was risen from the dead, and now he's about to take the next step there because we see this lamb in his atonement, and this lamb, if you would, in his authority. But notice in verses 8 to 14, we see the lamb in his adoration. Because I want you to understand, when the lamb stood up, it affected everybody there in heaven. I want to tell you tonight, we get to heaven, when Jesus stands up, it's going to affect us. When Jesus stands up as that lamb, and he stands up as that lion of the tribe of Judah, we're going to stand up, and we're going to give our adulation, and we're going to give our, we're going to give our praise, and we're going to give our worship to Jesus. When he stands, listen, you're going to stand when he stands. I've been to some places where people are so disrespectful. You come in, they're supposed to stand, they don't stand. Let me tell you tonight, everyone's going to stand when Jesus stands, and everyone's going to bow at his feet when he's sitting down. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're not used to bowing, you will one day in heaven. If you're not used to standing, you will one day in heaven. You will. Whatever you think you get away in this world, it ain't going to happen up in heaven. You're going to stand when Jesus stands, and you're going to bow when it's time for you to bow. And we see this lamb in his, in his adoration. To John, when he saw this lamb, take the book out of the hand. Notice verse 7. When he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. He listen, it relieved John. John found a wonderful breath of relief. It relieved John. John said, what a relief. There is someone that can open this book. There is someone that has authority. There is someone that's worthy. Listen to John. He said, what a redeemer. He saw Jesus as the lamb that was slain. To John, he saw Jesus stand and take the book out of God's hand. And he said, what rejoicing. He said, what a relief. What redemption. What rejoicing. And John joined in with the heavenly chorus. Even though he said that, I believe that John joined in with this heavenly chorus. And notice in verses 8 to 14, as they praised Jesus and honored him. Number one, which you notice in the first thing we see, notice the voices of praise. And when he had taken the book, verse 8, the four beasts and four twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. I just get this idea that in heaven we're just going to be doing a lot of falling down. Amen? Forward. And every one of these elders, notice this, every one of them on one hand, they're holding harps. Now, bless God, we all get to be instrumentalists, amen? 
every one of them harps. And the Bible says golden vials, and the word literally translated means a saucer, a golden saucer. Full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Now, John purposely put that there because you know what? I think there's two things we better mark before we come back to re- when we reopen the church. Number one, our Lord, our Lord is honored by right music. And I'm going to tell you tonight, all this worship war nonsense is going on right now, it'll be all straightened in heaven. It'll all be straightened in heaven. All this music preference nonsense, the guys waste their time writing books on, which that is not God's will for you to write about your music preference. The music preference is in the Bible. You go figure it out. Everyone, God is saying he's honored by our, by our music. But secondly, God is also honored by our praying. Now, it doesn't say here, it doesn't say in verse 9 or 8, If those are our prayers that we're holding or someone else's prayers. And I'm not sure if that's the kind way for God saying that the redeemed of all ages, every one of them, it says holding vials full of odors, which are prayers of saints. You see, tonight, my friend, I want you to understand this before I talk about the adoration of the Lamb. God, God is honored by our praying. We must have praying that pleases God. We never pray enough. In fact, we don't even know what to pray. Thank God for, for Romans 8, 29, for the Holy Spirit of God who helps us when we pray, amen? But God says here all of our praying are like fragrances. It's aromatic. And it's the, the symbol of this is found in the Old Testament, the, the incense that was burned at the altar. It left a, not a pungent smell, but a pleasing smell in the nostrils of those who smelled it. And you knew, you knew when you walked in there that the incense had been burned. Let me tell you tonight, God knows when you've prayed. And God knows when you've prayed a prayer that's pleasing to him. And God knows that when you've met with him. And you know when you've met with God. And you know when you've gotten a hold of God. And you know when God's working there. And I'm just saying tonight, listen, we better take our time when COVID-19 is over. We better take our time right now to major on our praying and our time with God. And we better fill those saucers and vials up with the odors of our prayers. We better have some prayers like Epaphras who prayed for the church at Colossae and the church at Laodicea and the church at Hierapolis that they would stand fervent and complete to do all the will of God. We better have some praying that reaches heaven. We better have some praying that reaches some of the, the countryside there. We better have some praying that reaches some of those countries that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying tonight, we look at it, there is singing and they were holding the vials of prayers. And by the way, in heaven, you're gonna know how much you prayed. And so we see these voices, they're crying out and they're singing a new song in verse 9. But there's a second thing. Would you notice the veneration in their praise? The reverence. The worshipfulness of this. Now, when it says they sung a new song, I literally believe it had not been sung in heaven before. Everyone will have a capability of following along the choir leader, song leader, whoever may be up in heaven. In verses 9 to 10, 
they start off by saying, Thou art worthy. And John says here, continue where I left off earlier. He said, I heard the voice, verse 11, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the number and the, and the elders. And he says the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, 1,000, 1,000. Now 10,000 times 10,000, that's that right there is at least a billion. And thousand upon thousand, so it's in the billions. Maybe the trillions. That's redeemed of all ages. I've heard some big choirs in my lifetime. But I, None of us have ever heard a billion-voice choir, and that's what we're going to be part of. Amen? We're all going to be in the choir up in heaven there. And these voices, they're saying, Thou art worthy. And verse 12, notice with a loud voice, notice the volume. He says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And the, and the, the recurring theme in this new song is the worthiness of Jesus Christ. That He is most excellent. That He is most deserving. He's the only one of a kind. He's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They said he is worthy. They said he is worthy. They said in verse 12, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And why? Well, I'm going to give you some reasons very quickly tonight before we close. Can I give you some reasons why there was veneration? Can I give you some reasons why they were exclaiming his worthiness? Can I give you some reasons why and why we pick the songs that we do because it falls in line with the kind of hymns we sing and the kind of hymns we should be singing? Number one, there is veneration because of creation. Listen, all of creation is praising God. And even before you and I got up this morning and before the sun came up this morning, the rocks were crying out, praise the Lord. And the birds were chiming out, praise the Lord. And the trees were chiming out, praise the Lord. And you'll notice here in verse, I think it's verse 13, it says, and every creature which is in the earth and which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say. Isn't that amazing? All the creation is singing. All the creation is singing, worthy is the Lamb. They said, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Why is creation saying he's worthy? Because he's the creator of all things. By him all things consist, and without him was not anything made. Where would you be if you didn't have a creator? Do you really believe the devil's lie that you're just an anomaly? Do you really believe the devil's lie that you evolved from a, an animal? You're not intelligent design. I mean, when you think about God made us and he looked upon it, he said, it's good. He gave man all intelligence. He gave every man beauty. And you look at this here, all creation is crying out and saying he is worthy because he's preeminent because of creation. But secondly, he's worthy not only because of creation. What you notice is he's worthy because of the cross. They said, thou was slain. You see, up in heaven, we're never going to forget he died for our sins. Amen? Up in heaven, we're not going to take the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper is right with us. Amen? Worthy is the Lamb that was slain in heaven. We're never going to get out of our minds. We're not going to never get out of our voices and never get out of our hearts that Jesus died for our sins. That's why the Lord's Supper is such an integral part of the worship of God. He paid the price in full. He's worthy because of Calvary. He's worthy because of the cross. He's worthy because of creation. But you notice, you go back to verse 5, he's worthy because of his conquests. 
The Bible says, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's the all-conquering king. He has a win-loss record where there is no losses, and there never will be losses. He's all-conquering. The Bible says he has prevailed to open the book. And the word prevail, the word nikio, the word overcome, ought to be part of our vocabulary. Thank God Jesus is the overcomer. You're of God, little children, overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The world is defeated. Sin is defeated. Satan is defeated. Death is defeated. Your problems defeated. Praise God tonight. He was slain, but he's standing. It's defeated. We can praise God tonight. Here is the lamb that was worthy. And I want you to imagine tonight, as we come to the conclusion of our message, I want you to imagine tonight that all of heaven is clapping, and all of heaven is, is playing their harp, and all of heaven has these golden vials full of the prayers of the saints, and they're crying out with such adulation, and they're crying out with such veneration, and they're crying out with such an excitement. They're saying, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Thou art worthy. I can imagine that John, he got caught up in the moment with all the words of were going on and he couldn't get out of his mind thou art worthy thou art worthy thou art worthy you know we see a horrific accident we can't get out of our mind we see something that's traumatizing we can't get out of our mind but I'm going to tell you tonight when you get to heaven if you just study here tonight if you just get a glimpse of what the Bible is saying Revelation chapter 5 you will not get out of your mind a lamb that is worthy a lamb that's worthy of your praise a lamb that's worthy of your honor a lamb that's worthy of your offerings a lamb that's worthy of your life a lamb that's worthy of your service a lamb that's worthy of every praise that you can give him and all that lives and we give glory to God. I'm saying tonight, we ought to stand up and rejoice with the Lamb and say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. None are more glorious and none are more deserving and none are more sufficient, none are more sovereign and none can compare and there's no one else that died for your sins except for Jesus Christ. Thou art worthy. Hey, is he worthy to you? Is he worthy to you? We see the Lamb in his authority. The lamb in his atonement. The lamb in his adoration. He's the lamb to be accepted. If you're not saved tonight, he wants you to get saved. He died for your sins. No pope died for your sins. No priest died for your sins. No cleric died for your sins. No pastor died for your sins. Nobody died for your sins except for Jesus Christ. Christ died for us. And the Lamb stands up tonight so that you can receive Him. He can be your Savior. And you can be what the Bible calls saved. The Bible is not interested in knowing if you're just Baptist. The Bible is not interested, God's not interested in knowing if you're Catholic or Baptist or Muslim or Jewish, I'm not, being, I'm not being disrespectful, please, or whatever it may be, your persuasion. The Bible makes a distinction. We're either saved or unsaved. And just like with me and our live stream crew here tonight, we have to come to the place of our life of humbling ourselves and confessing that we're sinners who need to be saved. And Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins. Jesus died on the cross for you. Every one of your sins was paid in full. The sin debt that you owe is paid in full. Tonight, if you'd repent of your sins and realize how terrible a sinner we are, and we should feel terrible as a sinner when we look at the holiness of God revealed in Revelation 5, 
It ought to move us tonight. If you're not certain about heaven, accept him tonight. His hand is reaching out to you. Would you take him by the hand and accept him to be your Savior and your God? That one day you can be part of this heavenly chorus, the redeemed of all ages, and standing up in heaven. I'll be in heaven. Those you heard from tonight will be in heaven. Will you be in heaven? We want you to be there tonight. And then, Christian friend, worthy's the Lamb. Let's worship him. Let's honor him. Let's exalt him. Let's praise him. Would you do that tonight?